You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 32 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined by James Healy, the social media manager of the Toolstation Western League. Hello, James. How are you? Good afternoon, Ian. Very well, thanks. Sat in the sunshine. It's, uh, the weather's starting to turn, so it's uh, all good here. How about yourself? Well, I'm 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 all right, but I don't think I'm as as good as you because you, you're looking rather well kept. I mean, we we were t- we've been talking about your appearance on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, but you you know you, you, this is we're, we're Hollywood star good looks here. Your your hair has returned to its normal state. I wouldn't say uh, good looks. I know I had a bit of a trim, and the beard has been trimmed up as well. So I think I've lost about four pounds in weight from having my hair cut and shaving my beard, but definitely feel a lot better for it though I had uh, I queued for a little while outside I did get up early uh, on the 12th to go and have a look uh, where I normally have my ears lowered it was they open at seven so I went up there just before seven and there was a, a queue of about 20 blokes outside I thought I'm not that desperate I've grown my hair for four months I'm sure I can wait a couple more days so I waited for a couple of days and then went out there was no queue straight in in and out and yeah, he's uh, lowered my ears for me. No, you're looking great. I, I've got my appointment tomorrow, um, but it, I, I was highly amused to see the nation's politicians, all, of course, who've been making a point of growing their hair with the rest of us, all seem to be remarkably well turned out by sort of Monday lunchtime. Um, but there you go. Anyway, that's got absolutely nothing to do with football. But what has got a lot to do with football is this week's episode of the Toolstation Westernly podcast. We've got three interviews to bring you. And of course, we do have some breaking news. Well, not really breaking. It certainly was on Monday. But there was an FA announcement concerning the restructuring of the non-league pyramid. So what better person to talk us through that than our league chairman, John Poole? Um, Also, we've been having the return of the FA Vars, and one side in particular that was involved in that at the weekend was Plymouth Parkway. They beat Fareham Town, so it was a great chance to get Lee Hobbs back on to the podcast. And finally, we're going to hear from a young man, a player at uh, Bristol Telephones, Luke Palmer, who's been doing some excellent fundraising work for the Cystic Fibrosis Trust. So we'll be hearing about that at the end of the podcast, and I'm sure there'll be all sorts of the regular features as well. Um, that we'll bring you. But we'll kick things off with John Paul. And as I said just now, on Monday, the FA announced that their long-awaited restructuring of of the non-league pyramid will be going ahead, subject, of course, to the approval of the FA Council. Now, the announcement set out the process the FA will be using to identify clubs potentially eligible for upward movement. And I started my conversation with John by asking him what this announcement means for the Western League. The edict that was sent out at four o'clock yesterday uh, is pretty comprehensive as regards to how they intend arriving at, um, at these decisions. I think that probably it will be a relief to know, uh, for a lot of clubs to know that in some respects it is going to go ahead. There's certainly going to be people that feel that it would have been best served it had been left for a complete season to be undertaken but that's their decision they've taken some considerable time to arrive at making that decision um, but from a personal point of view in a lot of respects i'm glad that it's going ahead now 
So the primary mechanism, as I understand it, John, is the use of a unweighted points per game um, system based on the completed fixtures for both the 2019-20 season and the 2021 season, the two seasons that we weren't able to finish um, on the um, on the field of play. Did uh, did that did that particular mechanism surprise you, or do you think it's on 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 the balance of sort of yeah, not I, most sensible? No, it, it did it did surprise us because the null and void season seemed to be a, a hot topic in terms of potential challenges to being made. But the uh, meeting that we attended last night, they called a meeting at six o'clock last night to pretty much tell us, you, you know that. The structure was going to go ahead that obviously posed a number of questions um and they did make the point that that legally they they checked everything through um and they were confident that everything would be going ahead um and would be permitted to do so and i believe from again what was sent out yesterday the mechanism that the that the fa will be using is that they have identified the the clubs that are eligible for what they call upward movement yeah. Uh, and that those clubs will be invited to make an application. So this is not simply a case of clubs throwing their hat in the ring or leagues nominating the sides that they believe they'd like to see going up. No, that's quite right. I mean, uh, they've done an awful lot of work behind this. I mean, I mean to their credit, uh, this must have taken an awful long time to put together was to try and arrive at, what can I say, the best outcome that you could potentially come to I, I mean our situation down in the southwest is is probably some well it, it definitely is unique as regards to the complexities but the mechanism they got in place is probably as good as 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 you could have come up with travel distances will be the key issue which is obviously a major concern to you know from a club's perspective but everything you know we've been assured will be geared to just that and in terms of um, the the promotion from our step five into step four, um, the FA have made it clear that there is there will be one um, slot available. Yes. Given the performance over the last two seasons, I don't think anybody in the Western League would begrudge Plymouth Parkway the opportunity, if they wished to take that opportunity to um, to to move up to the Southern League level. Not at all. No, I think I think if any club deserved the opportunity, then you you, you single Plymouth Parkway out as being that one club. To be fair, but that conversation becomes a lot more complicated at step six, doesn't it, John? The in our first division, um, I believe that there are potentially three opportunities for promotion, but clearly there are a number of considerations that the eligible clubs will need to consider, not least an expanded Premier Division potentially going into Cornwall next season, and also the potential that the FA offer promotion to the most geographically appropriate league. So actually, promotion from our first division doesn't necessarily mean that you would be given a place in our Premier Division, does it? No, it doesn't. I, I, I mean, let, let me give you the interpretation of the documentation that's been forwarded to us. Now, bear in mind that, that, like I said, we attended this meeting last evening which was a general meeting of all steps five and six clubs so it was just really to you know for them to do a presentation to you know to to make it clear exactly how they were going to approach all this with regards to the western league's particular position the information that has been given to us is that as as you indicated the one club will will promote from five to four the opportunity will be offered up 
right to the Southwest Peninsula League to provide four clubs, two from the East and two from the West. Now, our information is as such that there is there will be options available in particular, well, I say in particular, to, to, the, to the West. And that is an ongoing agreement that the Cornish Division of the Southwest Peninsula League will be given an option with regards to taking promotion or not. With Devon, which is the East Division, there is no option. Now, the one thing that, that we're not fully um, okay with is, is the fact that are they going to treat this as, as a unique year and provide us with four clubs regardless of where, where they come from the East or the West? We're just under the impression that, that it, it may be one, well, it won't be one, it'll be two, it'll be two from, from the uh, Eastern Division, but it may only be one for instance, from the Western Division. So on the face of it, we would look at it to be looking to absorb four clubs into step five. That means that, that four clubs will be facing lateral movement because that is the only way they can facilitate it. When it actually comes down to six to five, we, we can't see how you can facilitate it without actually taking more clubs with regards to lateral movement. Now, armed with that information, the question that was asked at that meeting last evening was, will the Western League have an opportunity or could say, have any involvement with regards to the clubs that, were, that will be offered up for lateral movement? The answer was very, very clear. That will be a league's committee decision. Other leagues themselves will have no input into it at all. It's very much hinged, as we can see, is, to, is, is being in a position to be able to provide sufficient number of clubs to backfill, in our case, the Hellenic League, right, when they stand to lose the amount of clubs that they do towards this new Thames division. So it's about the movement of clubs to actually facilitate the new leagues. To me, they put themselves in a position whereby until they find out exactly who is prepared to take promotion, do they have any idea how many clubs they're going to be able to, you know, to move across? And those two issues are inextricably linked, aren't they? We, we're talking they are. They will contact the five clubs right from the first division based on the last two years and offer them the opportunity of taking promotion. With regards to the, to the lateral movement, and, and I know what you're alluding to, the clubs that are involved in, in those five could well find themselves whilst accepting promotion, that promotion could take them into a lateral movement position. I can't see it any other way. But then again, of course, there are those clubs that aren't seeking upward movement that could find themselves laterally moved in, in the way that you, you described earlier. And I believe that you sought some clarification on what the situation might be for them should they wish to appeal. Yes, they can. You know, yeah, there's a mechanism in place for them to appeal any any decisions. I mean, it certainly. You know, I make the point now. Appealing to us is is not what it's about. It, it is is you would have to appeal to the FA, and if they're using the main criteria, they appear to be well, not appear to be. They're going to use is and that is one of travel distance. So, if for any reason you wanted to appeal that decision, it, you would have to make a very good case on on the basis that travel distance you know, is, is the issue then, if you like, that, you know, it goes without saying, doesn't it, that virtually every club in the Western League is, is 
will be expected to do more malls than it's done in the past. And, and that's the reality of this restructuring process. It almost feels, John, that we're in a, a footballing tsunami. Not only are we faced with the most dramatic restructuring of the Western League that certainly I've known and, and quite possibly that you will have known, certainly in one foul swoop, but we're, we're doing it at a time where we're coming out of the coronavirus pandemic. We all desperately hope that next season not only will be a normal season, but we actually get to finish it on the pitch. I mean, this does seem like, you know, the most dramatic time, certainly in recent memory for the Tool Station Western League. I, I mean, everybody's going to have an opinion about this, about whether he should have gone ahead with it or they shouldn't. And, and if I'm honest, I've blown up the cold on it, really. I thought it was outrageous to think about trying to carry through a restructuring process when, you know, as you, as you indicated, we've just gone through, you know, a dreadful situation uh, and football, you know, has got been lasting on a lot of people's minds. But they've chosen to do it. And part of me says, well, you've talked about it long enough. You know, it's been sitting over the top of us for probably now, I don't know, two, three seasons, more than. So it, I suppose there's an element of relief that, that it is actually going to go ahead. I think the one thing that, that is is going to be extremely difficult um, on a personal level for quite a considerable number of us is we will be looking at a league now that we've never seen the like of before. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's a bit of a common term in it about family, but I think it's fair to say that, you know, you know we've got clubs that have been in membership for some considerable number of years. And they're going to be, they could be potentially moved out of the league without us having any take on it. I think, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is just be careful what you wish for, really. And I think that, that there's a number of clubs that probably have concerned themselves over travel distances, have, have felt that the restructuring process was something that was necessary. They got their wish now. John, thanks very much as always for coming on. We always get you on at the, the hardest of times when these announcements are first made and, and the entire football family is trying to work out what they actually mean. Um, but, um, um, you know, these are, these are changing and evolving times. And I'm sure that as the FA starts contacting clubs and as more is known, um, it, it, the situation will become clearer. One thing I, I can say is, and I think you're in possession of the timetable, for when these decisions are going to be made. Could you give us some indication of how quickly the FA are looking to move on this? Yeah, it's pretty quick. Right, the application's open on the 26th of April. The deadline is the 3rd of May. The applications will be under consideration, right, and the approval will be given on the 10th of May. On the week commencing the 17th of May, the club allocations will be announced. So the timescale is pretty much from the 26th of April to the 17th of May. Before we finish, Ian, can I just make the point that we are back into, understandably, we're back into this assumption that we know more than we're saying, um, that you know, decisions have been made as regards to lateral movement, who's going where. Uh, the guessing game has started. I just want the clubs in particular and probably you know everybody out there supporters included we have absolutely no idea what clubs are going to be moved out of the league 
on top of which I can assure you from a meeting last night and a meeting that we had with the FA this morning at 10 o'clock, no decisions have been made. The process is in place. They will go through the process. And as I said, with those dates applied, that is when we will, you know, we will be given that information, as will everybody else. You know, when the phone calls come in about, you know, we've heard, well, if you've heard, then you've heard more than we have, because I'm going to assure you whatever you've heard is, 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 is not based on any fact, because like I said, the meeting we had this morning, it was abundantly clear that no decisions have been made. And my thanks to John for his time, and I'm sure we'll be bringing you more information about um, that restructuring um, in the coming weeks. As John was saying, it is a relatively fast-moving process. They're hoping to have concluded by the middle of May. And uh, as we also heard in that interview, it's not just those clubs eligible for upward movement that will be of interest. It's also those who may find themselves in line for lateral movement. And that's very much where we'll be focusing our attention over the coming weeks. Anyway, to matters on the pitch. And we had some FA VARs action to talk about over the weekend, uh, uh, James. And um, how did Plymouth Parkway get on? Good result. A 5-2 uh, win over Fairham. Uh, so they progress to the next round, which uh, will take place this Saturday. Uh, obviously, the games have moved time, so uh, it was scheduled to be a three o'clock kickoff, but it's now changed to a four thirty kickoff because of the funeral. Um, so yeah, they they now host Clevedon, but yeah, five two win over Fairham, two um, nil lead at half time, thanks to two goals from uh, Ryan Richards, two goals in uh, five minutes just before the half time break. Uh, and then come out the second half, and Mikey Williams scored on the on the hour. Uh, Billy Palfrey made it four, about ten minutes to go. Uh, but Fairham scored two in the meantime, uh, making it a bit of a squeaky bum time. But uh, uh, Craigfield sealed it, made it five two uh, in injury time. So yeah, they progressed. And looking forward to a good game on uh, on Saturday, no doubt against Clevedon because they were both flying when. Um, when the season was uh, curtailed. So it would be uh, interesting to see who comes out on top on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it made its way into your week on Twitter, but um, uh, they, there was an excellent video compilation of the highlights from that game against um, Fairham Town. If you, if you don't want to sit down and watch, obviously, the whole thing, um, I really recommend the video package because uh, excellently put together, as we would expect from Mike Parrish. But it just goes to show not just the, the goals, uh, in the game, but also it was a bit of a blood and thunder tie, wasn't it? I think Fairham had a player sent off in the first half and uh, some agricultural challenges going in. Yeah, you do wonder if, like, because it's their first game back, so like, are, are people a little bit slower than what they would normally be? So you think they've mistimed their tackles, but yeah, you see they had a man sent off and it's a bit blood and thunder, but I think everyone likes to see that. But obviously, no fans were allowed in. So Mike's, uh, Mike's highlights package obviously keeps everyone up to date. And they can see what was actually happening in their games. So, yeah, it's always good to see the highlights packages on the internet because no fans at the moment, so it keeps everyone in the loop, as they say. So we've got um, Parkway Clevedon to look forward to on Saturday, and that's another excuse to get onto their excellent Twitter feed. That's what I did on Saturday. But um, we've got another way that listeners can um, follow our other all-tall station Western League tie and um, the Bridgewater Tavistock game of course has been moved isn't it Jim to Friday evening it has yeah so again because of the funeral taking place on Saturday at three all games have been moved and the two clubs have agreed to be playing on Friday with a 7.45 kickoff and fans will be able to hear 
the lovely soothing tones of yourself and Ray Johnston on the uh, uh, live commentary, which I'm sure everyone will be tuning into. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. We're, I'll be down there myself as well with yourself and Ray uh, covering the game for our social media channels, and no doubt that the two clubs will uh, will be flooding their social media channels as well. So there's loads of different options of following the game on Friday night. Yeah, definitely worth staying tuned to um, and the Tool Station Western League's uh, website and social media channels for the for the links that we we'll put out for that game. And also, if you are a fan of Tavistock or Bridgewater, of course, please keep an eye on your own club's feed because we have shared those links with the clubs and I'm sure that they'll be um, um, sharing them with you um, uh, shortly. But um, um, going back to that Parkway uh, Fairham game, I thought that that victory was a great excuse to get back in touch with Lee Hobbs. Of course, the events of this week, uh, as I referred to earlier, the events of Monday meant that Lee and I perhaps had a slightly different conversation to have. But I started off by congratulating him on that win against Fairham. And um, I asked him what it was like to get back into competitive action after such a long layoff. Very surreal. Um, if I'm being brutally honest, obviously, no atmosphere. In a, in a, in a grandstand, doing jokes in the middle of a pitch. And um, it didn't have the same feel, the same void as, as uh, usual, let's say, vibes. Um, that's great, but um, listen, as I said to, to all the media team after the game, where I'm very grateful as all the players to still be involved in a competition where we're still able to play football. So we accept it for what it is. Um, obviously, we can't control any of that, but therefore we've just got to be professional and get on with the job. Obviously, you're happy with the result, but were you happy with the performance? Yeah, it's a 70 minutes. Um, obviously, this is my step for a team, and uh, I don't expect us to control games for, for the full 90 minutes. We're there with moments where we ain't going to be in control, and the other teams have a decent spell, or uh, small spells, or larger spells. But, yeah, in the name, um, certainly for 70 minutes, I felt we were both for the bad team, and don't get me wrong, so we knew what we had to expect from them in terms of they were going to come down with belly boy attitudes in which ultimately we set up in a way which could have sacked up and they lost the man after 20 minutes. So we 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 done our due diligence and then they, and they played right into our hands with that. But no, listen, we were, we, we were good for 70 minutes and for, for me we were fully deserving of the victory. So what were you thinking when they pulled it back to 3-2? <laughs> um, just relax and stay calm and and just see the next 10, 15 minutes through, which we did, which then we went on to score another three goals, um, another two goals, sorry. So, um, it's a, you're never going to have it your own way within football matches. So, it's about just managing the game within periods uh, of what's happening. So, yeah, no, this is not working for me. Um, the boys just needed to regroup uh, and go on and, and do what they've done for the previous 60 minutes before, before Farrell scored. So, no, no concerns there. That will happen, or uh, may possibly on Saturday, or even in any of the other rounds after that. So we need to be set for that. We ain't gonna be cruising in games um, relentlessly. So we need we need to make sure we're, we're set for that. On a serious note, though, um, you you had very little time to prepare for this game. So the fact that I know you had a friendly with Buckland um, before the match, but the fact that you've actually been able to get ninety minutes of a very competitive football in already. Do you think that's going to stand you in good stead for the rest of the tournament? Yeah, I think so. Um, 
it's a we've got a very honest group of players who for the calibre that they are, they, they generally look after themselves away from the football club. So we are they, they were all doing their own things before three weeks before um, we were due to resume on the twenty ninth of March. We more strength and conditioning could set up a program for them to to do obviously on their own and record all the data and send it back to us. So we we knew where we were at in terms of all our base fitness. It was just about a case of then getting volume into their legs of competitive football, which is what we've done with obviously the game against Buckland and the the, the two previous training sessions before that. So it was just a case of getting set on the ball and twisting, turning and doing stop start running as opposed to screen on the other end. Then come back into the neck and I think that, that they would. So yeah, the Buckland game showed his progress. I didn't want to go and play any teams from the level below. I wanted a team that I felt was realistic to what we were going to be coming up against on the side, the following Saturday in the Valley and, and Buckland uh, give us that test. Um, so yeah, it was a good test and it had a good game for us. Now the draw for the fifth round has already been made, but uh, you can't really take your eyes off Clevedon, can you? Absolutely not. Listen, I've got a lot of respect for Clevedon Town. They're a good actor, a good, honest young group of footballers uh, that they've got there, and listen, that they've got potential to cause those problems as we have done. So it is, it is a good try, and arguably probably just good effort for the Western League. So hopefully we'll actually a little bit more of them on the day, yeah, and we can take the prize, which is the fifth round. Well, the good news for either of you is that whoever wins on Saturday, you will have a home tie in the fifth round. Now, of course, at the moment, you're playing away from Belitho Park. Do you think that's affected your home advantage? So they've asked me that before Buckland, and I said yes. So having played there a couple of times now, I'm playing there. I now feel that we're better suited to play there than we were when we played Buckland. So for the artist when we're trying now, it's on the home it's on home ground, and we can't control what's going on elsewhere because there is a bigger picture. So we feel that we've arguably now got an advantage to playing on that surface over the visiting team. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage and ultimately can, can propel us to the next round. I mean, what's it like been preparing for these matches? Because, you know, nothing's normal at the moment. I mean, do you think that the teams that are best, that adapt the best to the current surroundings, particularly with no fans in the grounds, will have an advantage? Can you see there being more upsets than normal in this season's FA Vars competition? Yeah, I do. Um, look, look, at this moment in time, with no supporters and no normal atmosphere, it's the level playing field with people living nearly four months off. So, in England, as I expressed in my opinion, it ain't like you're, you're playing your team, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, you're winning, you're turning up properly. It, it is a level pressure. And I'm looking at the current culture of teams left in the competition, there's a lot of big names which we were earmarking last year, not in it. So I haven't followed their progress, so I'm not sure whether they, which I believe they've obviously been knocked out or whether they've come down. I still like I know how to pull that, so yeah, no, I think it's I think it's anyone's competition this year. I genuinely do and whoever can um, produce the goods on the day more than another I'll make a lot of belief can go on and, and win this and win this competition. I genuinely do. But it's 
it's going to be difficult uh, with with everyone not playing as much as everyone else. I mean, the teams who obviously we're well fortunate enough now to have played the third round before the fourth round. But these teams who's coming into the fourth round, arguably, the team might have only had one friendly together previous to that. So, yeah, listen, it's a level playing field, and I believe whoever adapts best on the day and who wants it more will be the team that um, Kate will come through and, and take the prize of the passage into the match room. Now, there's a lot going on in non-league football at the moment other than the VARs. Um, the FA have said that their restructuring programme is going ahead and from what was released on Monday, it looks like you will be the beneficiaries of upward movement. Is, is that how you read the situation? Listen, I've got to choose my words carefully, yeah, because as much as I would like to say, yes, well, statistically, we are the team who is the front-runner to be invited if that happens. However, I don't believe it's time to be popping champagne towards this year. And with all the upheaval which we've seen over the last 12 to 18 or 12 to 15 months with the world in general and the FA, um, who knows what will happen. But, listen, it's a positive sign. They haven't rubber stamped it as a no. Therefore, there must be some sort of legs in it. And hopefully, we're the beneficiaries of one of those... Um, Invitations to to have an upward movement, which we would grab with both hands, having tried tried to achieve that objective over the last ten years. Anyway, so listen, if it happens, it happens. We're set for it. If it doesn't, we'll we'll be disappointed. But we'll get on with it, and we'll be professional, and we'll deal with it. So we'll wait and see. I mean, it certainly would be a happy ending to what has been two very difficult seasons for you. But um, whatever division or league you're in next season, I mean, the, the coronavirus appears to be with us. Um, and certainly the experts say for some time. Now, I know that the vaccine programme is going incredibly well, but do, do you think that the FA have a responsibility to, to at least set out some plan for what might happen if the coronavirus affects another season? Well, yeah, absolutely. Listen... One thing we all are now in, in the general population is we're wiser to things than we were when the season was made none avoid in March last year. So I'd like to think the lessons have been learned. I'd like to think that there is a strategic plan in place should the worst case scenario happen. Um, however, with the rollout, I do believe in the mindset that I think we've got to get on with it. Um, Listen, but that's, that's my thinking. I understand there is people, don't know, people in close relatives have died, there's numerous, a large number of people. However, we can, in this interest in terms of football, we can keep stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, open, shut, open, shut, lockdown, don't lockdown. I just don't think the world can run like that. Therefore, if you produce the vaccine, let me believe, let's just get on with it and, and let life live. Well, one final question for you, Lee. I mean, you mentioned before in the in the in the interview you've had months without football. I mean, on a personal note, how have you found things? Hey, tough. Listen, as I've said that number of times, it's um, the thing you love your wife and your children dearly, but um, football is your breakaway from work and family life. Therefore, you know, your, your children are part of it. Well, as each one on a match day when she comes to work, so. Listen, it's been a level, it ain't been nice, I'm a football man, and I want to be involved in football and watch football, manage football, and watch my children play every single Saturday, but unfortunately, we 
haven't been able to control that. So yeah, I've missed it. I've missed it lots. And I'm grateful to be back in the dressing room and within the technical area now. And hopefully that's for a few more weeks to come. Well, you are certainly back in the technical area. I'm not going to wish you too much luck against Clevedon because they are, of course, another Toolstation Westerling member club. But um, I certainly um, wish everybody at Parkway well. And thank you, as always, Lee, for your time. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, uh, it is time, James, for your week on Twitter. What have you got for us? News-wise, it's quite quiet, but it's been great watching clubs playing friendlies because... The Twitter feed's been inundated with updates of scores and highlights, photos. Um, See, so yeah, that was the main line I was going to go down this week. It's, it's great seeing some football football action on our social media feeds, and clubs have been doing great jobs with it as well, like keeping up to date. So, uh, Cribston played Wincanton, for example, and Cribs were—I think they were two 0 down at halftime. They put up quite a funny GIF of a hairdryer of one of the Simpsons characters with the hair. Uh, hair dry treatment of them like stood there looking all shocked. So I'm not sure if they did give them the hair dry treatment after being two nil down. But yeah, like I say, it's, it's just nice to see clubs reporting some some football action that's obviously taking place safely. Um yeah, so it's been good and there's been, as you said earlier on, um the video packages that people have been putting up again keeping fans in the loop, which I think is at the moment is really important because we all want a football fix. I'm sure we would all rather be there watching, but it's good to could be able to watch it online, which is um, it's always nice to see. And another thing is um, clubs thanking their sponsors, uh, which is always always good because without the sponsors, obviously the clubs would really really struggle. So uh, yeah, it's nice just to see individual tweets going out from clubs just uh, thanking the sponsors for last year. I'm guessing trying to get them to sponsor for this year as well so any anyone that's uh, got a spare few quid floating around I'm sure our, any of our member clubs would be willing to uh, to accept, accept some money from them Yes, it does feel like we're almost getting back to normal um, although I, think, I don't think we will, will have fully arrived at normal until we can actually go back and, and start watching games but um, it is nice to get back to the, the, to the, the action of mud on boots rather than constant speculation yeah, too right. Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate because we're managing to go covering the game on on Friday, and I think that'll be my first game live game for. Oh, well, I don't know how long. I can't remember the last game I actually went live to watch. So it's it'll be nice to be there in the fresh air outside, watching, taking photos rather than watching a forty-two inch screen of people falling over and acting up. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um so our final interview on this week's podcast is with a player at bristol telephones luke palmer and uh, i've seen on social media coverage of his fundraising efforts he's going to be doing the th the three peaks challenge to raise money for the cystic fibrosis trust so i started my conversation with luke by asking him why that charity in particular 
it's one that's quite close to my heart, really. I mean, I had a son eight months ago, and 16 days in, we were told that he was born with cystic fibrosis. It's a condition that not only affects his breathing, it affects his um, digestive system as well. So um, it obviously, to me, that was going to always be the first charity that I was always going to choose. Well, I suppose the most important question is to ask, how is, how is Lennox doing at the moment? He's not too good at the moment. I mean, he's quite, I say ill, he's, he's struggling with his breathing at the moment. He's um, currently on medication, we had, which we actually had to pick up today. I mean, I've been off work today purposely for that reason. And um, he has his good days and his bad days. It's, it's a condition where it's invisible to the naked eye. You look at him and you think that there's nothing wrong with him. Do you know what I mean? And it's the stuff that goes on behind closed doors, which is the stuff that really we, we not struggle with, but it takes a lot of time to get used to. So what support have you found that, that exists for families like yours that find themselves uh, in your position? Well, within the past couple of days, we've been speaking to various charities, um, people with the condition. I mean, I've, I went to school with a friend and um, the whole way through, he was in the air above me, actually, and I, I didn't even have a clue. And then when I found out, obviously, our son had cystic fibrosis, he messaged me and said, you do know that I've got it. And I was like, you just, you just wouldn't know. Yeah. There's so many people that are out there that I didn't know before. That I know now with the condition and it's, it is quite surprising actually. So Luke can you give us an idea how common is this condition? Well when we were told to meet someone who has the same genetic mutation that's what they class it as is a one in 25,000 chance so already you're a, a, a massive percentage just to be able to meet the same person in the same country with the same mutation even after that the chance of having the child with the condition is a one in four chance. So basically it's, it's split in half. The gene comes from my side and my partner's side. He's still got a one in four chance that he'll pick up both mutations. One, I think, I believe the last time I looked on the Cystic Fibrosis Trust, it was 10,600 people in the UK that live with the condition. So it averages out one, uh, one in 25,000 babies have the condition. So when you break it down to that, I think just in the Southwest, there's only uh, 100 babies, I believe, with the condition. So when we were told that, that's what hit home even harder to know that it was that rare, if yeah. you get what I mean. And obviously, because of the nature of the diagnosis, it's a condition that is detected in very young children and babies. Yeah, that's correct. It's done through a, uh, a routine hill prick test. So they take a small amount of blood from the hill once they're born and it goes off for various other tests as well as cystic fibrosis. And um, we had a phone call to say that he had um, high, high sugar levels in his blood. Uh, so obviously we thought, well, it, it, it can't be nothing too serious. It, it was just one of those things. And then obviously when we went to the hospital, it, it, was, it swung us that he, he was born with, um, with the condition. And um, what sort of support did you get then then? Because I can imagine, I mean, I, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, I. I... Um, had my two children um, and it, it was quite daunting to, to sort of you know in those early days of parenthood to even do the, the relatively straightforward task so I would imagine that news like that must have been very um, very difficult for you. Yeah it was um, all, all, 
all normal. Obviously, like as it is, it's all a bit hectic. Everyone wants to see the baby and it's just time goes so fast, you know. And then everything's sweet, everything's normal. Then you just get that phone call and literally everything is just turned upside down. You know, you start thinking what's going to happen? How long is he going to live? Um, what do I need to do? Is it is it our fault? Why is it happened? You know, you start sort of beating yourself up and you, it, it, it does take a lot of time to sort of sink in that this is the way it's going to be. This is something that we're going to have to live. Obviously, it'd be no different for us. We haven't got any other children, but to other people, when we say what we have to do, they're like, oh, how do you do that? How do you have time to do that? It's, there's not enough hours in a day to sort of what people say we need to do. We just sort of, you know, make it happen. But when we obviously got told, it was sort of, it took a while to overcome really and sort of come out the other side and be like, do you know what? There, there is worse things out there, but this is what we got to live with and we'll deal with it. We'll take it in our stride, you know, and give him the best of what we can. So what are the things that you need to do? What's Lennox's normal daily routine like? Uh, so we get up, I mean, I'm up, my work varies anyway. I can be in at five one day, I can be in at seven. So I've, I'm always sort of up, I'm an early riser anyway. Um, the first thing we do is we get up, uh, he has his breakfast, which involves, with every, with every meal he has to have, um, best way to describe it is like little gravy granules, it's called creon, which is what, the enzymes in his pancreas don't absorb. So when he has like food and like bottles and stuff like that, he doesn't absorb the nutrients and the vitamins and everything that he needs to absorb. So he has to have this with every meal, every bottle and certain foods require more levels of Creon. And then the first bottle of the morning also requires his vitamins. So that's just a, a little syringe we have to give him. So that's, that's the start to our day. And yeah, I mean, it varies throughout the day. We have to do different types of physio. He's on a pep mask, which involves us sitting on like a bounce and like on an old gym board. And uh, we have to vigorously not, I say, tap, tap his chest. We have to hit him quite hard to be able to, because he can't physically move the mucus of his chest. Whereas like the likes of me and you, we could easily sort of cough or just give it a little uh -uh to be able to get it off our chest. But because his body doesn't work like that, water in his chest just stays as mucus so he has to physically be like tapped and moved about to be able to remove it from his chest so yeah I mean our day starts probably earlier than others but th that's just this is how it is you know it's an incredible um learning curve you, you must have gone and I can understand why you know you, you want to support the work of the of the cystic fibrosis trust because clearly for families like yours there's an awful lot of uh, work that needs to be done. I mean, you've chosen the Three Peaks Challenge as your as your as your challenge to raise money. Uh, I mean, what can you tell us about about that? What what are you going to be putting yourself through? Well, let's just say pre-season's already started now. Um, <laughs> basically, the the Three Peaks Challenge involves the three highest mountains in one in Scotland, one in England, and one in Wales. So Snowdon is in Wales, uh, Scaffold Pike is in England and Ben Nevis is up in Scotland. And it was um, a friend of mine who I worked with, his uh, partner had cancer. And um, he actually done this challenge to raise money for, for obviously cancer research. And it sort of dawned on me and I thought, well, if he's done it and he can do it for his, his partner, why can't I do it for my son? 
So I spoke to a few of the lads at football, a few friends and that, and they were like, yeah, mate, just just go do it. There's nothing nothing that can stop you doing it. It's, it's what you want to do in it. I know it's going to be a tough challenge, but for what people go through with cystic fibrosis, this is just a walk in the park, do you know what I mean? Am I right in thinking that you have to do all three on one day? Yeah, so we obviously there's a lot of planning involved that requires to be done. I mean, the, the furthest one is Scotland. So we we're leaving Thursday night around uh, nine o'clock, eight o'clock, I believe. So we get there about four o'clock in the morning to do the first one. So obviously the drive up there is, it is shared between two work colleagues. They, they're a bit older and they said, look, we'll, we'll do the happily do the driving for no problem. So they're going to be doing the driving. We'll get a kip on the way up. So we start the first one at 4am and it takes on average three to five hours, all depending on how well, how quick you can actually get up it. The way down, I know they say is tougher than the way up because you're sort of like leaning onto your legs a bit more. So that will be the first one. Hopefully get done, if you say four hours by eight o'clock and then on the road then to Snowdon in Wales. And that's a six hour drive, I believe, six and a half hour drive. So then again, that's another get your head down, get your rest in, what you can get in. And then that one averages about three to five hours also. I think that's, yeah, about the same. And then it's a five hour drive from Snowdon to, to the last one, uh, Scaffold Pike. That's a five hour drive, a four hour drive. I'm not too sure, I can't remember now, but that one takes on average two to three hours if you're going at a good pace. So within, the 24 hours you've got about an hour and a half window with no traffic to miss so yeah there's a lot of planning involved to be able to do it in the time frame and when is the big day july the 9th so the friday it'll be so obviously you start 4am and uh originally it was going to be on the friday but because of just on the sunday you'll be sort of getting like back late you'll, you'll be knackered so i thought if we leave thursday at least friday and saturday then we've got the days to sort of 24 hours to cover it in good time then and we sort of missed the traffic well we'll have a little uh, chat in a minute about um where the listeners can donate because um i think what you're doing is is an absolutely fantastic challenge and for a, a fantastic organization but of course um uh, we do like to talk about the football on the western league podcast <laughs> and um you mentioned that this is going to be your pre-season's already started but i mean on a serious note, I know a lot of our sides have gone back into training. So have you have you managed to um, get back with the boys at the uh, at the phones? Yeah, we uh, we've only at the minute we're doing like a Saturday morning ten to twelve just to sort of get them get back to kicking a ball again. Because I mean, some of us that is we haven't kicked a ball in so long. It, it takes some practice getting back used to it, you know. Um, so yeah, we're back in on a Saturday at the minute. Then obviously when we can sort of finalise games. I mean, through Jack, obviously you've spoken with him, um, finalise a few games, get a few games going. I mean, we're quite local to a lot of the local sides. I mean, if you look at where our pitch is, there's about three teams in the radius of a couple of feet, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're back in on a Saturday. Also, I know a few of the lads that I've spoke to that are going to be doing the challenge. They want to do extra bits, you know, go out running and, and things like that just to be able to get that extra bit in because it's all right doing the football side of it but I know it's the endurance side of it is what's going to tell the toll when we actually do the challenge but yeah it's been good getting back to see all the lads again I mean obviously for everyone's 
like social meaning. It is nice to, it's not even just the football, it's just nice to get back and have a laugh, you know what I mean, on a Saturday, what we're used to doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dare I ask whether you've turned your attention to next season yet? Have you, uh, have you got any targets? Have you got any ambitions for how you'd like to get on in the first division next season? Obviously with Lennox as well, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of strain on my partner just to be able to cope on ourselves. So if I can play as many games as I can, that'd be great. But I know the way Lennox is and stuff like that, I know I'm just taking bit by bit as I can because I know it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough to sort of leave her on her own to do the things that she needs to do with him. So not at the moment. I mean, obviously time to come. I mean, family, I want to put a hand in, give you a hand and say, crack on and that. But at the minute, yeah, I mean, I'm just focused on the the training and what we need to do at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think everyone is. The sooner the better. But, yeah, I think at the minute I'm just going to focus on what I need to do with the challenge and stuff like that. And then if I can, I can next season. It'd be great. And then for the club, the way the club's going at the minute, getting a few more players in, the way the, state, the stand's going and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'd be good. Well, you've certainly got bigger fish to fry at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so tell us all, how can we give money to your excellent cause? I mean, the football club telephones, they've shared the, the GoFundMe page. It's on all social media platforms. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, obviously on Twitter. I know a few clubs have shared it as well, which I appreciate uh, greatly. Also on Facebook, the Cystic Fibrosis Community Trust, they, they're sharing it. Uh, I believe tomorrow. Um, yeah, they're putting like a good post up for us and obviously going to be out there celebrating, hopefully, that we do it in the 24 hours. And yeah, I mean, I've got various people that I work with, uh, various people that I know in trades, they're sharing it. And yeah, it is out there. So the more the word spread, the better. Well, we, we will certainly be sharing it because um, it's something that, you know, we really, we're really behind you 100% of the way. And um, I mean, for no other reason, and um, obviously you, you, we, we urge you to give um, generously to this, but for no other reason that, um, I mean, speaking as a proud father myself, I know we all like to talk about baby pictures and, you know, <laughs> the belief that our children are the most beautiful in the world. That, that really is a beautiful picture of your son. So oh, thank you. For any, um, anybody listening to this who would like to, um, um, uh, you know, support what, uh, what Luke is doing, please go to GoFundMe, follow these links. And support this excellent um, uh, support this excellent um, challenge. Um, Luke, you know we're all behind you, and um, uh, it'd be lovely to hear from you uh, again, um, and particularly when you've done it, just to see what sort of state you're in. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I'll be walking, but more than likely crawling by the sounds of it. And my thanks to Luke for his time, and we will be sharing um, the link to Luke's GoFundMe page um, on our social media um, uh, when this podcast does go out. So um, and there's plenty of opportunity, hopefully, for you to, to find that and, and please give generously because, as I think um, you can appreciate from that, it was quite a moving um, tale that Luke had to give us and something certainly that any parent listening can relate to. So um, definitely well worth your support. And um, I, I mean, on that note, Jim, we, we, we've talked quite a lot over the last few months about sort of charity fundraising and we've seen a lot of fantastic examples across the, the, the league. But I know that, uh, you know, you, you do a lot to support 
charities, you know, personally. I mean, one of the ones that's perhaps most relevant to the Western League is, is Kits for Kids. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's um, there's a charity in Liverpool called Kit It Out. Um, and then my cousin, who's from Liverpool, put it up on his Facebook page. And I thought, that's a damn good idea, that is. So basically, it's um, people who grow out of kids growing out of shirts. Um, basically, I take the shirts off their hands rather than being thrown away. Take the shirts and then pass them on to, to a family that's struggling or kids that are struggling that would like a football shirt, but they can't afford one. Yeah, so it's gone really well, actually. So I've, I've recently donated about 70 shirts to a local charity in Bristol, a community of purpose, uh, give them the new shirts and they go out and distribute them to schools uh, and their youth clubs that they go and work in. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see the shirts being rehomed and being put to good use, really. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a worthwhile thing seeing kids' faces light up when they see a football shirt because obviously some people can't afford them. So um, they go into school and obviously some kids have got a top of the range, I was going to say Manchester United shirt, but hopefully no one's got one of those, but uh, a Premier League club shirt and then the other kid hasn't got one, but they would like one. So it's nice that these shirts, yes, they've been worn, but they're still in really good condition because kids grow quickly. Um, we just pass them on to, to kids that would like one really. So yes, it's, it's going really well at the moment. I mean, I think you, you make an interesting point there because, of course, most kids, I'm sure, would want, um, you know, Manchester City or Chelsea or certainly Liverpool, you know, one of the one of the big clubs. But I mean, do you find that the donations that you get, uh, do you get from clubs further down the pyramid? I mean, if if there are any Western League clubs that have got a lot of old kit lying around that perhaps they'd rather donate to you than give away, is it unheard of for um for, for you to give away sort of, you know, our, our shirts from clubs at our level? No, I've had uh, full kits donated, uh, even from Sunday League Bristol sides. Uh, so I've had full grown men's kits, uh, which I've then sourced uh, homeless charities that have five-a-side teams. Uh, so they obviously need shirts, shorts and socks. So they go out to, I've handed over about three or four full kits to, to charities like that as well so any kit that people have got as long as it's in like a, a decent condition uh, I'll be willing to take it off their hands and, and pass it on to uh, to another home so it's, so it's reused rather than sat around or being thrown away. So if anybody listening to this wants to find out a bit more about kits for kids or perhaps how they can get in touch with you to donate some kit where would you point them? Uh, got a website which is currently being built kits2kids.co.uk or my email address is james at kids2kids.co.uk. Excellent stuff. And I know that that's not the only um, uh, sort of charity work that, that you're involved in. One of the themes that we've returned to over the weeks on um, on the podcast, and I think rightly so because of the impact that the lockdown has had on all of us, regardless of football, is the impact on men's mental health. Um, and I know that that's something that, that, you know, that you've taken an active interest in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I've suffered a little bit with it myself. So, something that I'm really interested in. Um, so, I, at the moment, I'm training for uh, to be a facilitator for men's chat. Um, so, we we have five, yeah, five weekly sessions. Um, my last one is this week, actually, where we sit down for three hours and basically taught all the stuff about how to facilitate a peer group session. Uh, so, once I've done that training I can then facilitate 
some talking sessions. So hopefully the plan is to try and get a couple of groups started up, uh, a sit-down group, hopefully, um, to get people along to, to have a chat, basically, if they're isolated or got things on their mind that they just want to chat about and they feel they can't chat to someone at home, they can come there. And I think men find it hard, don't they, to speak to someone potentially that they know. So if we can set it up and it's all anonymous, just people in there, nothing goes out of that room. Uh, and then hopefully I wouldn't mind doing some walking groups as well. So walking and talking, uh, quite lucky where I am in Bristol to live by the harbour side. So there's some great walks. So hopefully get some groups groups going. Um, but I wouldn't mind trying to get into some football clubs as well. So to, uh, yeah, just to try and get people to talk because we know what football dressing rooms are like. They could be brutal places at times. And uh, if someone shows a little bit of a weakness, it's probably pounced upon for banter, um, which is banter for everybody else. For But for that person, it's not really, but they put a front on it. Uh, so it'd be nice to try and get into some clubs to, even if it's just putting up some posters, just to get people to talk really and open up and, and have a chat. So yeah, so I waffled on a bit there. And uh, but it's, it's something that I feel quite passionate about. So yeah, I want to try and get into some sports clubs not just professional football clubs, clubs at our level as well. I mean, everyone struggles. So, yeah, it'd be good to uh, try and get some of these talking sessions going. Well, don't you apologise for a minute because um, you weren't waffling. I can assure you it's um, it's a very worthy thing that you're doing and it's the sort of thing that I'd very much like to return to, you know, over the coming weeks. Um, but if, uh, listeners, you're interested in hearing me waffle, then uh, you can certainly do that on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.